Hi, this is Megan McHugh, and this is the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. G'day! Welcome aboard the Starship Zero G science fiction, fantasy, and historical radio for episode number 1278 entitled Deep Space 99. <laughs> uh, I am Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And here we are. You know, uh, in Zero G territory encompasses a lot of uh, apocalyptic scenarios. So <laughs> in terms of preparations for a, a possible potential pandemic, actually, I love the alliteration there, a possible potential pandemic. Uh, well, actually, I shouldn't really <laughs> spit into the microphone. Should I? That's, it's like washing your hands sort of thing. Um, uh, my preparations are geeky preparations, so... You know, uh, let's be honest, we don't really get excited around here unless you, like, have the extra words after pandemic, like like it's pandemic zombie apocalypse or pandemic rise of the apes, you know. It's got to be something a bit A bit more, extra. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, we're not impressed. No, we're not, you know, it just doesn't, doesn't really get us going. So, but the potential for us to prep for this it's immense you know and we can geek out over that and of course the most important thing before you do anything else is to make sure you have enough streaming services yes you need something to do while you're quarantined (laughs) and there's certainly enough out there that's right i discovered like we've been going on this is this is ridiculous you know there's just so many of them uh what did i talk about last week uh tubi and popcorn flicks Mm. two free ones and uh, we we had to get like Amazon Prime for the Mandalorian and the, no not, not, not. Uh, Disney no. for Mandalorian Picard, Picard Amazon Prime that's right um, and it spreads out from there it's like oh just one more thing mm. you know so I, I discovered that I've got a, a year's worth of um, bloody uh, Apple TV Plus another another <laughs> thing to add to the. I mean, I'm not that across what's on Apple Apple TV at the moment, actually. That's one of the ones I haven't delved into much. Well, it also encompasses some of the other ones, like you can get SBS on demand on it, so you can pull in the other, uh, other ones. I suppose it's so for people who are using it, like Apple TV, to stream onto their television and whatnot. Yeah. Because mm. this is like hived off from um, um, I, um, iMusic, I, iTunes. iTunes, yeah. yeah. So now yeah. there's like... Um, Apple Music and Apple TV. But there's still things stuff. that you can rent and buy on there yeah. as well as stream, which I think is all a bit confusing as well as... It is. I don't know. It is because like, it's just like any of the other ones where you have your own playlist that you yeah. can assemble. But in that playlist, you might actually put ones that you have to rent or buy. Yeah, which makes sense because it used to be a store. Mm. Um, and I can see now they've got their own content that you can stream. But I, I don't know, the, the lines are all getting quite... Blurred? <laughs> Are they not? <laughs> I, I'm trying. I was w- trying to watch um, uh, David Cronenberg's Rabbit. Oof. Um, Oof. Well, you know, it's 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 one of the uh, the infectiously seminal classics. Mm. Of oh, I think he's great, but sort of he, he disturbs me on every level. Oh, he's extremely disturbed. <laughs> the Soskers love him, of course. Yes. Soskers sisters. <laughs> um, and in fact, they have done a remake of of uh, Rabbit. Of yeah. Rabbit. Uh, so I was watching that prior to mm. that and i couldn't remember I, i'd bookmarked it on one of the streaming things i couldn't remember which one yeah ah. well i mean this is the thing i yeah i think um there's actually uh, a good app which i will plug that i use quite a lot called just watch yeah and you can put in what you're looking for and it will tell you where it's available so you can pre-select all the different things you want to search on. So say you type in the, the name of the thing and then it will come up with where you can get it. So, oh. And that can include like YouTube, 
um, Google Play, Microsoft Store, PlayStation Store, as well as things like Disney Plus, Netflix, SBS On Demand, ABC iView. If you include those in your search, mm. it will come up with all the places you can stream, buy or rent. Have you got my iPad out of I there? do. Can you download that? For me? I will. <laughs> I'll sort it out for you while we're here. It's, an, it's great. It's a website as well. And it's just good because it's sort of just a search for yeah. week. But in this day and age... Um, it's also good for newer titles as well. Yeah. If you want to see where you can, you know, quickly buy or rent something good for us whenever we have something we want to do. So. Yeah. Like when we were doing that, um, uh, the, uh, Bong Joon-ho. Yes. Oh no, thing. it did fail me on those because those are very hard to find. <laughs> yeah. I still haven't watched Mother yet, but that's the only major one I haven't watched. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not really digressing here because it's all part of the landscape that we're kind yes, of exploring. Yes, the setup. Yeah. Um, but. If you want to go to the regular cinema, the Fantastic Film Festival still has a couple of days to run here in Melbourne at the Lido Cinemas in Hawthorne until March the 4th. Uh, Remaining sessions include the French-Moroccan director Talal Salhami's monster movie, Akora, which is screening tonight at 7pm, followed at 9pm by Faith Atkins' 1970s set-in-Germany serial killer horror movie, The Golden Glove. And on Tuesday at 7pm... Climate of the Hunter is directed by Mickey Reese, and that's a cabin in the woods psychological drama. Uh, followed at 9 pm by Seven Reasons to Run Away from Society, which is a Spanish surrealist anthology film madly exploring its title theme. And uh, on Wednesday, the 4th at 7 pm, writer director Rose Glass. Uh, debuts her religious fantasy horror film, St. Maud. And note that this is the latest horror film by the um, produ- the India production company A24, who gave us The Witch, Hereditary and Midsummer. So that's St. Maud. Uh, followed at 9pm by Fernando Ali's Portuguese zombie apocalypse movie, Mutant Blast. Ooh. Which sounds like something like a some kind of franchise. Mutant Blast. Yeah, it sounds it's like, like a Powerade flavour gone wrong. Like a fried chicken franchise <laughs> or something? I don't know. Anyway, that's all part of the uh, Fantastic Film Festival that's still on here in Melbourne for a couple of days at the Lido in Hawthorne. Nice. Some of these films are run in conjunction with Q&As with the directors, mm-hmm. uh, paralleled by screenings up in Sydney because it's sort of nice. dual city. www.fantasticfilmfestival.com.au now, uh, this upcoming weekend in Melbourne for the long weekend, we have the latest Supernova Comic Con. Yes. Melbourne Showgrounds, Saskat Vale. Guests include actors Ross Marquand, Cooper Andrews and Cassidy McClintsey from The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Masters from Buffy, Angel and Torchwood. I've seen him at a couple of cons. Mm-hmm. Always good fun. George Lazenby. Ah. One of the, that, that one-off <laughs> bond. bond. Yes. <laughs> uh, some guests from Charmed. Oh, um, I used to love Charmed. Oh. Is, that, is that the new Charmed? I'm not quite sure. I think old. I think I saw on Instagram Holly Marie Combs is coming and she's from Ah, uh, from the original. Many people from anime, voice actors, of course. Uh, comic books, Kevin Eastman, the co-creator oh. of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And Melbourne's own Tom Taylor is there as well. Heaps and heaps of authors. Too many for me to list. Sorry, guys. <laughs> so that's at the Supernova coming up this weekend. Nice. Now, season two of cyberpunk science fiction series Altered Carbon. Oh, yes. That's dropped. Uh. Eight episodes on the Netflix. There's so much stuff. I know. (laughs) It's it's actually my mind is sort of, fortunately because my mind is always like imploded, it's it's capable of handling this density of information. Amazing amount of input. I don't know. Too much. (laughs) Richard Kane Morgan's novel was the seed inspiration for this series. This is the one set in the future where you can insert human consciousness into new bodies, mm. uh, a process they call sleeving. So Alison Sharpka has been is the sole showrunner for this new season, although uh, Laetitia Kalogridis is still on board as an exec. Um, they've received sleeved the main character, Kovacs, who, who was played by Joel Kinnaman. And now it's Anthony Mackie. Well, that's nifty little device, isn't it? <laughs> yes, holy regeneration. Oh, Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie, oh. yeah. Oh. Um, so now he's um, still trying to find from the holdover thing from last season, uh, his uh, lost lady love, um, and now he's going to go back to his own home planet, Harlan's World, which I kind of think is a nice little wave to Harlan Ellison. 
Uh, or maybe not. I don't know. Um, so anyway, uh, Kovacs is played by Anthony Mackie this season. <laughs> and he, of course, is the uh, the Falcon from um, yes, Marvel. Marvel fame. Mm-hmm. But they've also got uh, Simone Missick, who was uh, Detective Misty Knight in oh. uh, Luke Cage. And uh, Dinah Shihabi, who was um, in the Daredevil series. Nice. So there's a few people that we're going to recognise this time. I wanted to farewell um, The Good Place. Ah, yes. And that is uh, a track that we will have as well, mm. programmed in there. Uh, but anyway, um, it was created by Michael Schur. It's just uh, finished its fourth season on Netflix, so it's all there to binge. It is. It rapidly became one of my sitcoms. You know how you have your yeah. own personal list? Yeah, yeah. A go-to list. Yeah. And it's smart, sophisticated, witty, with dialogue to rewind for or, or backwards. Very clever. To, you know. Um, uh, Michael Shaw created this. It's 53 episodes in all and exactly as long as it needed to be, I feel. Um, had Kristen Bell in it and um, Jamelly Jamil and Arcee Carden, uh, Manny Jacinto and Ted Danson amongst many others. And it was just a great show mm. with the premise that um, we are in the good place, the afterlife in heaven. Mm. I won't spoil it in case you've never seen any of it, but really it's it's up there with the great sitcoms that the world has produced. And can hold up like... A fresh look, different seasons doing new things, mm-hmm. different twists and turns. Like it can pull those things off, I think, which is a feat these days. So. Great ensemble cast. Oh, yeah. Note perfect characterizations. Uh, genuinely funny. Mm. Um, and, and really, I, I'm hard put to name a favorite character, but I guess Darcy Carden as Janet. <laughs> oh, yeah, Janet's a favorite. <laughs> I like Bad Janet. <laughs> Bad Janet, too, yeah. Uh, she's like a, a, a sort of like a uh, an AI, like a, an assistant, mm. an AI assistant. Ah, great show. And, and they brought it into land on that final season so elegantly. Mm. They slid in onto, on, on, onto home plate. I don't know why I'm using a baseball metaphor there. But they managed to they, – they, they, they brought it in so perfectly with just enough emotion – to to tug at the heartstrings with all the characters. Yeah. They all got a payoff of one sort or another. Pretty much in accordance with the characters that they'd been and were aspiring to be throughout the show because, of course, A Good Place is uh, essentially set in um, in the afterlife. So there, there were many lessons learned in the course of this yes. series. <laughs> I also liked um, Ben Lawson playing Larry Hemsworth, the fictional fourth Hemsworth brother. <laughs> And they had Timothy Oliphant appear as himself. Oh, really? Yeah, at one stage. I didn't like him. And Mary Steenbergen playing um, Michael's guitar teacher, who is also the real life wife of Ted Danson, mm, who played Michael. I think I knew that. And, you know, I just can't say enough about this show. One of the perfect, perfect sitcoms. And that's I, I actually think that one day... When the Earth's um, sun has enlarged to engulf the planet and all of our television shows are all that remains of humanity's <laughs> so-called much-vaunted civilization, all sort of going out there onto, into the ether, all these television shows, I think you know, the only thing that aliens will be interested in in Earth is watching our sitcoms. We do sitcoms pretty well. <laughs> we do them well. Some of them hold up better than others, let's be honest, but mm. uh, I think this one will hold up. Mm. Now, one of the characters in The Good Place is a guy called Sean, who was chief of all the demons. And he was um, played by an actor who appears in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> so we'll get into that um, in a moment, but we're going to go with The Good Place, the main theme. And this is a really nice piano rendition by the Blue Notes. So, um, take it sleazy, in the words of Eleanor. Hello, I'm Peter Hamilton, author of the Night Storm Trilogy and the Greg Mandel science fiction novels. When I'm down under, Rob Jan lets me fly the Starship Zero-G on 3 triple RFM. Actually, just between you and me, food's not all that good and the cabins are a little on the cramped side, but hey, I cut my teeth on science fiction conventions, so I can't complain. Actually, I want to complain, but Rob won't let me, the black-hearted tyrant. What's that you say, Mr Hamilton? This is Mutiny. Back in your boxer, I'll have you keel-hauled without a spacesuit. Hi, Captain. <sighs> Zero-G, it doesn't get any better, it just gets over. 
Mm. <laughs> we had the Good Place main theme, and then after that we had the Brooklyn Nine-Nine oh, theme. Nine-Nine. Brings me such good feelings, <laughs> that theme. Oh, yeah. It takes, a, it takes a while to actually find a version of the theme that actually has the uh, wah, wah, on it. <laughs> um, which, for me, in my head, I, 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 I substitute the words um, Peralto because... <laughs> You know, it rhymes, so, you know, you have to do that. So, yeah, we've been, we talked about a sitcom before, The Good Place, which is now finished, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine is sort of like I've swapped over to that. I, I've been a fan of the Nine-Nine for a while, mm. but uh, I desperately needed a, go to, a new go-to sitcom, and since I wasn't finished with Nine-Nine, I was able to slip over to that quite easily. Yes, I still haven't finished it myself, actually. I went through a big phase. I hadn't watched any at all, mm-hmm. and then it was all on Netflix up to, I think, season five, and so I think I was sick or something, and I just watched like a lot (laughs) probably too much in one sitting but um loved it obviously and yeah ever since then it's up there top for me one of the top sitcoms all episodes are now to the end of season six on uh, netflix and season seven is dropping week by week on sbs yes so plenty of good uh nine nine content for us to enjoy i I think that's up to either episode five or episode six Mm. on sbs um, it's a little comedy police procedural show that could and did, uh, created by Dan Gour, uh, who did uh, a whole bunch of comedy talk show writing and uh, Parks and Recreation. Mm. And Michael Schur did The Office, Parks and Recreation, and co-creator of The Good Place. Oh. Uh, and um, he also, worked, Schur also worked on the... Uh, the teleplay Nosedive for Black Mirror, the anthology oh, series. That yeah. was a good episode. That's the one where you can rate um, yes. everybody the from social, one to five. Yeah. The social rating one. Yeah. So Brooklyn Nine-Nine, um, it's uh, an, an ensemble police procedural comedy shot originally with one camera. So, you know, a lot of um, mm. tight ooh, tight cuts and, and running around. It, of course, reminded me very, very much of Barney Miller, the... Uh, police procedural comedy set in the 12th precinct in Greenwich Village. And that ran from 1975 to 1982 for eight seasons. I was going to be like, I've never heard of it, Rob, but that would explain probably why. (laughs) 170 episodes. And that series is so famous that the set was in the um, Smithsonian Institute. So, you know, the squad room from that. Now, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, they actually get out of their squad room a hell of a lot more. Yeah. Than, um, Hit the streets and whatnot. Another. Yes. But the mix of characters was very, very similar. There was a uh, a, a sort of um, a rookie cop who was quite naive. There was a more sophisticated uh, policeman. Um, the internal affairs people were, were quite suspicious and nasty. You know, there's all sorts of things in there that are echoed. Yeah. And the creators of Brooklyn Nine-Nine openly acknowledged that. They yes. just said there aren't enough... Uh, shows like Barney Miller on television. So let's do one. Aww. <laughs> uh, it's won a lot of Emmys um, and Golden Globes and uh, Critics' Choice Awards, all the sorts of things that you usually get that, that concentrate around a, a hit uh, comedy series. Nevertheless, it was um, cancelled after five seasons by Fox. And then Fox. The following, yes, bane of the serenity mm. people. The following day, NBC picked it up for a sixth season. That's right. It was, yes, yes. I remember when this all happened. And it's renewed for an eighth season as well. Mm. So, whew. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't always happen. I think there's been a few shows that have been either picked up by another network or brought back to life. Or, or streamed. Yeah. Given a streaming fix. That's true, Netflix. I mean, and sometimes they'll get a movie incarnation which isn't quite the same like firefly and serenity or uh veronica mars yes i did watch the movie oh the new one yeah and the um and follow oh, the new no the new series and the series as yeah, well yeah i followed um, my partner gail was watching the series and i followed it for, hmm. for a couple of episodes including the final one yes i'm so mad yes i know <laughs> i know it's cruel it's cruel i just cruel uh, unusual punishment it's so yeah so oh, yeah oh i'm pleased that you watched all of that yeah I, look, I always like, um, oh, God, I've just been mentioning your name, Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell, yeah. yeah. And she's got, got that noir vibe. And, yeah. Yeah, anywho, we anywho, digress. We digress to another police procedural show. Yes, <laughs> from PIs to police. Police, yes. Um, 
Okay, the, the character mix in there. Andy Samberg plays uh, <laughs> Detective Jake Peralta. I love Andy Samberg. Um, you know what? A lot of these people I'd never heard of before. Had you heard of Andy Samberg? Uh, no, mm. not mm. at all. Um, but I do now know him as the, heret- the voice of the heretic, Skek- Skekra from um, Dark Crystal, Age of oh, Resistance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess he does a lot of comedy stuff and he's he was yeah, in yeah. like a comedy musical duo, yeah. I want to say. So it wasn't which on... wouldn't have crossed your path necessarily, no. I don't think. But but he is the linchpin of this show. Many of the episodes uh, pivot from his yeah. perspective. Yeah. Um, he's a lovable goofball. Yeah, basically. It, it's the, it's I mean, as much as it takes a lot of strides and I think breaks a lot of new ground and I think which is fantastic, it does it does have some of the old comfortable tropes um, and revolving around the lovable goofball, I think. It, mm. it definitely pulls that off. Who over a number of episodes uh, struggles, as all sitcom male leads do, to find the right romantic interest. Mm. But we all, all knew all the while that she was probably going to be attracted to Detective Amy Santiago, mm. played by Melissa Fumero, another person who I'd never heard of before. I think a lot of these guys were maybe lesser known, mm. um, apart from, you know, a couple who are known around those comedy circles and yeah. across those other shows and that we mentioned because they're all kind of one little clique. But, mm. yeah. Now, where, where Jake has his, uh, his his comedy shtick that he's always running out and his, his catchphrases and... <laughs> um, uh, and his slobbiness. Well, because he's like he, he's one of those like he's a movie cop. He really wants to be like a movie cop. Oh like yes, Die Hard. Die Hard. That's his, his favorite show is yeah. Die Hard. So he's like emulating and trying to do all this like NYPD stuff. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's always the man with the pop culture reference, which mm. means he's very dear to Zero G's heart. <laughs> uh, um, Amy Santiago, Melissa Fumarero. Her her shtick is that. Um, She's a, a, a procedure and stationary wonk. Yes. She loves pens. She loves binders. You know, <laughs> She's a big nerd. Yeah, she's a huge nerd, but only for those particular areas. Um, you know, and some of these sound a bit one note, but when you start combining them. Oh, yeah, no. They're yeah. actually very – I feel like one of the joys of it is they're very authentic. Even though you can break them down to a very rough stereotype, mm-hmm. I think all the characters feel very genuine. Her journey takes her to becoming a sergeant mm. in the 9-9 yes. eventually. And she goes back into uniform, which is strange. I know. It is weird when they, they do that change. Very strange. Uh, we've got Stephanie Beatrice playing Rosa Diaz, another oh, yes. detective. She's one of my faves. Yeah, she is the um, the obligatory butt kicking chick, mm. but she is like super cop. Yeah, she's kind of the role of the hard boiled detective, but like obviously she's female, so they've kind of tried. They've made her like you know she's really hardened and she's kind of a bit rough around the edges and stuff like that. But I really love her character. She's got a heart of gold. They they give her little, and she's also robotic as well in yeah. her delivery. She's yeah, like a yeah. Vulcan. Yeah, she's very. Um, like sardonic, like very sardonic delivery. Imagine a Vulcan who who um, who had the uh, imagine a Vulcan Klingon hybrid, who had <laughs> who had the the logic and the um, the clipped delivery of the Vulcan, but also the ferocity of a Klingon, mm. and that's what she's like. Uh, everybody is scared of her, even her body <laughs> is scared, scared of her. <laughs> Um, and they give these little reveals of her background, uh, mm. like uh, she was in ballet. Yes. She has a very rich background, which sort of comes out here and there in the series, which is fun. Mm. And, and, you know, not only has she got the um, – is she uh, representing Latinos um, mm. partly in the, uh, in the series, um, she's also got uh, an – well – uh, LTBGQI background too, mm. because she, the actress is bisexual, yeah, and comes out in the show as that as a character too, yeah. Which... And she's written some really great stuff. There were some good interviews with her around that time about that. So look that up if you're interested. But mm. I think it's yeah, yeah, it was done really well. Yeah, it was done exceptionally well, and this show has won awards for that for that particular um, characteristic, mm. sympathetic and um, and complicated portrayals of characters, uh, and. Rosa, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of some of the things that, that I've seen her do, you know, like um, physically. Mm. She does this, this, this incredible shtick <laughs> of stuff, like so violent and so powerful. And, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, at, one, kick your ass. at one stage she's in the evidence room folded in half like a staple gun <laughs> between two shelves. I don't think I remember that. Uh, it's so weird and um, – and, uh, the detective Scully comes in. Oh yes, 
<laughs> and sees her and just looks at her and just goes, says, um, oh, she says to him, Scully. <laughs> and he just goes, Mulder. <laughs> anyway, uh, Terry Crews is there as well, playing um, now Lieutenant Terry mm. Jeffords. Um, look, he, he's a former footballer. Mm. He's built like a brick shit house. Um, he's... He's a great character. He's such a, like, soft and loving character. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a family man. Yeah, that's the whole – th- I like that. He's a bit of juxtaposition. There. Yeah, they've turned everything on it, mm. on its head for him. Um, his catchphrase is like, Terry – he says everything with Terry in front of it. Mm-hmm. You know, Terry does – Terry loves yogurt. Oh, yeah, he likes the third person. <laughs> yeah, very much a third person person. We've seen him in Deadpool 2 playing the character of Bedlam. Mm. And it's like I saw him in that after – and it's like, oh, it's Terry <laughs> <laughs> playing a superhero. That's not strange. They they do actually uh, use that that trope all the time in the show. Yeah, like you know, Terry can do practically anything. He can break cars. And he just doesn't like to. He just doesn't always. like to. He's like <laughs> like he's like Mark Ruffalo's Hulk. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, uh, Joe Lo Truglio plays Charles Boyle. I have seen him before playing one of the characters in Zombieland in the first mm. one. But other than that, not a clue. But he's great. Mm. He's the um, – how do we describe Boyle? Uh, he is Boyle. He's – there are no words to describe he's a little. He's a little bit like the intern in uh, 30 Rock. Oh, Kenneth. Kenneth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's got this yeah. extended, extended, very odd family. Mm. Very, very odd. And he's weird but – Lovable. Yeah, they're all like that. They're all weird but lovable. Mm. Um, but he's Jake's um, – he, he likes to partner up with Jake. And on he's the, his best friend. He's his best friend and he looks up to him. Yeah. It's actually creepy <laughs> <laughs> in many respects. Uh, this particular season seven, uh, late late six and seven, they start playing with the concept of Boyle being um, a, a father. He has a, an adopted child. Oh, yes. Uh, I remember from an Eastern European that. country. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. Nicol- Nikolaj. That's right, yeah. Is how you pronounce the name of his son. Um, Andre Brower plays, uh, on, sorry, Andre Brower plays Raymond Holt, the yes. captain of the oh, 99. Holt. Holt, yes. Who is like um, an African American Fraser Crane. Oh, yeah, he is. He is. Um, openly gay in mm. the show. And he's the guy whose uh, partner in the show, <laughs> who's. Um, Character oh, name. he's in... Kevin Cosner is yeah. the character name. He's played by Mark Evan Jackson, who is the he's Sean the Demon place. Leader in yeah. The Good Place. Yeah, yeah, we got there eventually. Um, Andre actually um, was in The Mist and in Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. He played, played a general. Uh, and he is... And you can tell that you, you know this the moment you hear him. He also does the voice of Darkseed in DC's... Um, mm-hmm. Uh, apocalypse, uh, you know, Superman. Got a great apocalypse. voice. Yeah, he's got that deep voice, and he's another nerd. Yeah. You know, but he's just like Fraser. Mm. Uh, Likes fine things. Fine things. Yeah. Uh, in this, in season seven, he's been demoted to. Um, I mean, it's not demoted, but the, it's been discovered he's got many enemies. Yeah. <laughs> throughout the, the NYPD. Yeah. In high places, and it's been discovered that he didn't do enough time as a beat cop. Before he started ascending. Yeah, right. So they haven't busted him, but they put him in as a beat policeman. Mm, so back in uniform. Okay. Which is complicated. I wonder. I feel like that feels like a bit of a, I don't know. When shows start doing stuff like that, I raise an eyebrow. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's, that. it's scarcely necessary to have such an extreme reaction, Mick. <laughs> as Holt would say. <laughs> Are you mad? <laughs> We also have uh, oh Mark Evan Jackson, as we were saying, plays um, Holt's um, husband in mm. the show, and he he he's got a completely different delivery to the one he has in um, the Good Place. Yes, yeah. Um, and they also have a, a dog called Cheddar. Oh, Cheddar. Cheddar, it's, which is a um, like a corgi, a right? A corgi, yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, and all of these uh, side characters get involved in all of the hijinks around the station yes, as well. Yes. Um, Dirk Blocker and Joel McKinnon Miller. Mm. Dirk Blocker plays Michael Hitchcock, mm. and uh, Joel McKinnon Miller plays Norm Scully. Mm. These are the two animals. Yes, they're like the a bumbling duo of. They're, they're gross. They're yeah. disgusting. They're, yeah. they're evil. And they're useless as police 
like they're useless as police detectives. They're kind of the running joke. Yeah. They, yeah. they will eat anything. Mm. Um, and they, they they have games where they, they try and stay in their seats all day. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and everybody else gets drawn into their weird adventures. I just want to go home and watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and the good thing is it's like they're like half, you know, less than half an hour an episode. So you can just mm-hmm. jump into them. Yeah. Now, Block, Dirk Blocker is actually the son of actor Dan Blocker and um, Dolphia Lee Blocker. And Dan Blocker was uh, a guy who played Hoss in Bonanza. Oh. And he actually looks like him too. <laughs> uh, and, and both Blocker and Miller have been around in television for so long that they've right. been on all sorts of shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which for is sure. kind of taken advantage of in an episode in season six of Brooklyn where they go back to the 1986 and they show Scully and Hitchcock Uh, in their younger days and they are basically hot hunks. (laughs) Um, You know, so like they are the the, the buddy cops of of the 80s. Yeah, yeah. And they show what happened to them, (laughs) how they got the way they are today. Oh, that's fun. Let's just say chicken wings. (laughs) You know, so... It was a great episode. And that brings us to the most important character in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, <laughs> civil administrator Gina Linetti, mm. played by Chelsea Peretti, uh, who is actually um, uh, the wife of, um, or I should say Jordan Peele is her husband. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, which, I mean, we're not defining people by their relationships, no. but that's interesting because Jordan Peele's a great director yeah. and we've loved his stuff here. So. Absolutely. And, and they're an unlikely duo. Although he was, he started in comedy, so maybe not that unlikely. I did actually watch one of her sta- um, Chelsea's uh, stand-ups on Netflix. There's, mm. you know, there's a whole thing. She there. has a shtick. She has a shtick. Yeah. And it's it's basically being a couple of steps higher than everybody else yeah. in the evolutionary chain. <laughs> She's an an internet goddess mm. with what she calls the uh, the Gina Hive of yes. fans. Uh, and they take that to great extremes in season six, but we don't actually see her in season seven because she uh, she quits the nine nine. Oh, spoiler! But you know, all these things have to come come to an end. You know, there's a there's a there's a vast cast of of other players yep. in Brooklyn Nine Nine. Lots over. of cameo, fun cameos. Fun cameos, uh, and in um, season seven, they're doing a lot of um, of, of what I can only call. Uh, callbacks to previous episodes because now you've got a lot of backstory. Yes. You know, like their their annual Halloween heist um, oh, competition. Yes. Yeah, they're I like those markers though, like, you know, in sitcoms where they have the Christmas episode or the Halloween episode, they have that weird Thanksgiving competition episode. And they have the uh, the bullpen Olympics. Oh, uh, yeah. The Jimmy J- Jimmy Jumpers or something like that. Jimmy oh, Jbacks J- Jimmy I, something like that, I can't remember. Anyway, they do they do that again. Um, you know, there's all those sorts of things, as well as the complications. Jimmy Jab Games. Jimmy Jab Games. As well as the complications caused by the fact that, that Holt is no longer um, a captain. Te- he's still a captain, but he's like on beat duty. Yeah. Um, and that now that Terry is a lieutenant, he's kind of um, in charge for the mm. moment. And they had another temporary captain in uh, Season 7. They're also kind of dealing with the the... Fairly complicated um, dynamic in the NYPD where uh, a very conservative but corrupt John Kelly is in charge of the uh, yeah. as a commissioner and the other former adversaries of Holtz are now were on his side temporarily. Yeah. So it's very complex and yes, a nice dynamic. Yes, there's always some good um, sort of uh, nemeses play out across the different seasons, different people pop up to... Create some tension. Um, season five, I think, um, uh, into season six was when they put Rosa and um, and Jake in prison. Mm, yes. And they framed right. them for a crime. Yeah, that would have been around season five. Yeah. Mm. Well, they're, they're out of prison, obviously, now because Jake has married Amy. Yeah. You know, so we got the wedding episode, and yeah. which was typically strange. <laughs> <laughs> but so perfect. But so perfect. Uh, and I was interested that when they when they took them to prison, instead of doing anything much about Rosa, who mm. we just imagined as like totally owning prison, <laughs> you know, you can imagine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I would have liked to have seen that, but I actually think it would have been a bit cliched. I agree. So instead we got Jake in prison who did not own prison at all. <laughs> no. 
Except, I do. Except he partnered up with his cellmate who was a, a cannibal. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no laughing matter, but... <laughs> Cannibalism is never a joke, Rob. No. I do, I do love about Jake, though, that even though he is a lovable goofball, hmm. they also make a point to show that even though his style of police work is maybe like weird or different, that he's actually very good detective. Yeah, he is. And a... they're all good at their jobs in their own way, except Hitchcock and Scully. No, uh, they are good too. That's true. If Didn't you they have a bunch of weird awards for like the most arrests or something, I can't remember. It's because they've been there longer than everyone else. But if you um, have a food related crime, that's true. They are the guys, the go to guys. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of like that as well. I think that yeah. that's, yeah. Yeah, it's got a lot of heart. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yes, we've really geeked out on that. Geeked out on that. And Season 7 is now available on SBS On Demand. Yep, and you can... Week by week. Yeah, and you can watch the rest on Netflix, um, Seasons 1 to 6. And also DVD, obviously. Yeah, and all your other usual measures. You can rent and buy it and stuff if that's what you're into. People do still buy DVDs. No, they do. Yeah, you know, if if the internet goes down, what are you going to do? I would still buy Blu-rays if special people still paid attention to special features. Oh. I love a good audio commentary. I love a good like behind the scenes, bloopers, interviews, but not enough places do that anymore for Blu-ray. It's all on the internet anyway, on YouTube. For a track, um, have I put on the uh, the playlist today, one by the Decemberists there? Uh, uh, called the, yes, yes, the, the there cal- it is, the calam- right there. The Calamity song? Indeed. Well, Michael Schur, creator of uh, The Good Place um, and other things, <laughs> Uh, he collaborated with a group called the Decemberists. Yes. Do you know them? No. <laughs> this is. We this will is, soon know them. We will soon know them. Do you know them? Mm, yeah, yeah. Tell me. Oh, they're like a kind of folky indie twee band. They've been around for a while. Okay. I remember listening to them like when I was at uni. Okay. So the it's album the is the same band, which I'm sure it is. The album is "The King Is Dead." The song is "The Calamity Song," and the music video was based upon. Eschaton, which was a, a nuclear war game, a nuclear war game, played on tennis courts yeah. <laughs> for a novel in 1996. It's very complicated. but uh, So Shaw wrote his um, undergrad um, thesis about the novel. Mm. It has the film rights to it and all sorts of things. So, But anyway, it all comes together in this song. So there's a very long tangent there to get to <laughs> Calamity Song. When we're playing music like this, I'm fine with it. <laughs> Triple R on FM, digital, online, on demand, podcasts and via the app. This is China Mieville, author of Perdido Street Station and The Scar, and you're listening to Zero G on 3 Triple R FM. Yeah, there we go. What did we play then? The Decemberists. That's right. Calamity song. Yes. Haven't heard them for a while. Rob Jan here. And Megan McHugh. Haven't got a podcast title yet. I guess we're just going to call... Call the episode. I, I wrote down some notes. Poddle and Poddle and Nine Nine. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit lazy there. A bit of a <laughs> lazy reach there. Now I want to blast through a, a movie here. You know when you one of those movies that's um that's got some really good elements and some really bad elements. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, I'm intrigued. Uh, but I don't want to do too much on it because I want you to go off and maybe watch it yourself. Okay. <laughs> so it's called I Think We're Alone Now. It's a 2018 US post-apocalyptic drama film directed by Reed Morano. Oh, yes. Uh, I know her. She was also a cinematographer. Mm, mm, mm. She's done a few collabs with Olivia Wilde, Mm -hmm. who I know and like. And I think she's directed maybe an episode or two of a notable TV show. Three Handmaid's Tales. Oh, there you go. That's what it is. Mm. Do you want an Emmy Award for it? Yeah, I think she's a very accomplished director. That that said, there's absolutely nothing wrong with the cinematography of this. Mm. I actually liked it a lot. It's got a, a good look to it. Um, essentially, it's uh, got two characters, one played by Peter Dinklage and the other by Ella Fanning. Mm-hmm. Um, Elle Fanning. Elle Fanning, sorry. Mm. Uh, and, of course, Peter Dinklage has done Game of Thrones and uh, a, a few... Um, he was in... Humorous... Uh, in Bruges. I'm pretty sure. Fantasy movies as well. Yeah. As well. He was in that Infinity War. <laughs> Infinity War. Yes, he was the uh, the dwar- the uh, yes. the dwarf. Yes. I just made like an axe throwing <laughs> gesture. Who was 25 feet tall? Um, and um, uh, also, his most famous role, of course, is in the um, Space Pants. 
music video. Mm, yeah, by far. <laughs> by far. <laughs> That's top of his IMDb, of his right? Yes. Um, now, so this is a post-apocalypse one. Mm. Uh, Peter Dinklage's character, Dell is um, a lone survivor in a small town. Oh, okay. With a, a really odd routine of um, surviving. Mm. Okay. Nothing nasty. It's, mm, in fact, it's very touching. Okay. Uh, uh, Ellie Fanning comes along one day um, quite soon into the piece as another survivor, uh, a young woman called Grace. Mm. Uh, we've seen her before in so many things, uh, Aurora in the Maleficent films. Um, she was also in uh, Super 8. Okay. The science, uh, Abrams science fiction yep, film. Yep, yep. Um, the Neon Demon. Yep, for that one more Nicholas thing. Wending Reffin thing. <laughs> Nicholas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mary Shelley, uh, you know, there's just been a whole bunch Somewhere. of things. Somewhere. She's an, she's an rising star. You yeah. You can see that. And, and the chemistry between Dinklage and Fanning in this is great. Yeah. Every moment they're on screen together, it's gold. Um, when Dinklage is alone by himself and Fanning's alone, because it is post-apocalypse, mm. it's also great. So well done. Yeah. And this very taught an interesting and inflected nuanced sort of um, uh, meditation upon loneliness mm. um, and and how two people can get together and still be apart okay. um, is quite fascinating and then it all falls in a heap. Of course it does because we it, can't have nice things. We can't have nice things. <laughs> um, apart from a, a great joke about uh, um, the Dinklage says, why have you got a gun to Fanning? And mm. she says... Well, they the corpses might reanimate, <laughs> and he says, "No, that's not going to happen." <laughs> uh, anyway, they 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 graft on this this ending, which could have had some some um, teeth to it. Okay, but uh, but because it's so rushed and it sort of feels like it comes out of left field, mm. it doesn't quite work. Okay, and, and it would have been a good idea, and I could have seen it on say Z Nation. Yeah, it's okay. the sort of thing they could have landed there quite well, or even The Walking Dead. Yeah, but it doesn't quite. And there's no zombies in this film, by the way. Okay, <laughs> just I just use those as um, examples. <laughs> so it's I think we're alone now. It's by Peter Dink. It's with Peter Dinklage and Ella Fanning. L L L. <laughs> I don't know, you know, Al Fanning, a Reed Morano film. Mm. And it's got some great moves in it. And sometimes mm. you get a film like this that, um, that'll impress you for the, the acting in it and the cinematography, and that's what this one does. Well, Reed Morano actually has a lot more cinematography credits under on her IMDb. Yeah. So she must do – I mean, she does both, obviously. Mm. But, um, yeah, she's got, a, she's got about 50 credits, including some music videos and stuff. So mm. very interesting. And I'm going to play a tr- not going to play a track from it at the moment because I wanted to go into The Boys, mm. which is – oh, my God, which streaming service is this on? Apple TV? <sighs> Apple TV, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, do sh- we should get it right because we want to make sure when we're plugging these things. Yeah. All right. Tell me about it. I don't know anything about it. Okay. The superhero genre um, has long, long now, had, for a long time, had a tradition of being able to be self-reflective and self-analytical. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen this in the comic books themselves from, from the days of Spider-Man and before that, you know. Yes, um, I recognize the PR material for this yeah, show. Yeah, you know, so there's there's... And that, of course, has spun out into like uh, Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons' Watchmen mm-hmm. stories um, and uh, Miracle Man, especially mm. Miracle Man, actually, with Neil Gaiman and so on. Um, that, that's a really strong pitch for this one. Um, what would happen if superheroes were actually in the real world? Mm-hmm. So we've got things like um, uh, like the Watchmen uh, movie, Zack Snyder and Damon Lindelof's HBO television series running off the back of that. You've got specials mm. by James Gunn, that movie, or uh, Super, written by James Gunn. Um, Misfits, the British TV yes, series. Yeah. Heroes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Heroes. That uh, takes me back. The latest um, uh, Brightburn. Mm, was, that uh, kid one. Yeah, the kid one. Uh, all of the Netflix Marvel shows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Blasting back into the comics, Marvel's Ultimates, mm. or the which is the basis for all of the um, the Marvel Avengers in yep. MCU, yep. Um, the uh, Marvel Max titles, the very adult ones, which are incredibly gory and viscera know, everywhere, viscera everywhere. Um, yeah, because they had like the Punisher and Nick Fury. It's going to get messy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, all of the Netflix Marvel shows, Deadpool, um, yep. Joker, you know. So 
it's actually quite a trope. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. To be gritty and real. Yeah. Um, and because superhero, the genre is so big and it can encompass all those other things, it can do that well. It can flip itself. Yeah. I do like that there's a big, there's a, a wide kind of spectrum where you can have your like campy kind of um, realizations on one end and then you can go super realistic, dark yeah. and pretty depressing on one, on the other end. Mm. And all of it, and everything in between. All of it's been done in the comics. Oh, absolutely. So all of the television and movies are actually playing catch up. And I think they're starting to realize that they can play with that a bit more. That people aren't wedded to what a superhero film looks like anymore. Because we have had stuff like the Watchmen TV series. That's probably goes against what a lot of people and Joker as well. Mm. It transcends. It transcends the. What the the former boundaries of the medium exactly, and kind of mainstream ex, mainstream expectations. Mm. Well, the boys is a as an American comic book series originally. Garth Ennis, preacher, oh, uh, love preacher, and uh, it was uh, co-created, designed, and illustrated by Derek Robertson. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was it was a Wildstorm DC imprint comic, mm-hmm. and then they went to Dynamite Entertainment, and they got. Even wilder. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and the series itself is set between 2006 and 2008. It's a kind of an alternate reality where, where superheroes exist. There's a, a large um, organisation called Vought and they are running hundreds of superheroes across the United States. Yep. Kind of like the, um, the multi-state initiative in Marvel Comics. Um, they have a major team called the Seven. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit like Watchmen there um, with classic tropes for their, uh, their heroes. Oh, and the showrunner is Eric Kripke who did um, Supernatural Revolution. The, he's the creator of the WB, now the CW. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's an expert at this kind of genre work. And if we're talking about one of the creators of Cre- Preacher being in here, you know it's going to be pretty damn gory. Yeah. And it is Ooh. from the get-go. Is there anyone that has a butt for a face? <laughs> no. Actually, Preacher is more is, is, is worse. <laughs> Maybe a little more weird, yeah. Yeah, but this has certainly got its full penelope of, um, of nastiness in there. That said, it's a great series. Yeah, okay, so you, you're digging it. The boys refer to the vigilantes who decide that they must <laughs> take down the seven Vigilantes. Normally they'd be supervillains, but because the Seven are such evil monsters Mm -hmm. for the most part, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. because they're arrogant. Right. And nobody can stop them in some cases. Carl Urban plays the leader of the boys, Mm -hmm. Billy Butcher, (laughs) who has got a great accent, British accent. It sounds, it's supposed to be British, I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, He particularly hates the leader of the Seven. Who's Homelander? Who actually wears an American flag as a cape? Oh, this guy, mm. Anthony Starr. Mm. So, of course, we know um, Carl Urban as Doctor McCoy, Judge Dredd. Uh, before that, as um, Julius Caesar and uh, Cupid in Xena. Mm. Amir from Lord of I think the Rings. He wasn't he an elf? Yes, he was. Right, elf? Yes. No, no, no. no just a ri- person, man, a rider of Rohan. That's right. A man in uh, <laughs> regular standard issue human. Yes, and Scourge in uh, Thor Ragnarok. Um, he is the leader of this little group. He's not a nice person. Uh, he's had one. Of, he's had his his wife was um, involved in a super a soup a soups related incident. Is this what we calling them soups? Mm-hmm. Mm, a lot of collateral damage these guys cause. Well, they do, don't they? They do. Uh, we've also got um, in in the boys uh, Jack Quaid, who mm-hmm. yes is. He is the son of uh, Dennis Quaid and Meg He Ryan. looks it. He does. Very handsome. Seen him before in The Hunger Games. Um, his, huh. his girlfriend, Robin, is killed by one of the soups early on in the, uh, in the piece in a particularly terrible way. Oh, God. Uh, Anthony Starr plays um, uh, Homelander. He's their Superman, mm. essentially. X-ray vision, he super strength. He looks like a Superman too. He does, doesn't he? Mm. Uh, he looks like a god, actually. He's mm. like... <laughs> Yeah. No, he actually looks like... He's, yeah, he's got the look for sure. He's another New Zealander uh, and he was in... Him. He starred in Banshee where he was uh, the, the sheriff of the... Um, the new sheriff of the, of the town. Okay. And I have seen him in uh, American um, Gothic yeah. as well. Uh, he is a piece of work in this, the, the, the Homelander oh, character. Like really one of the most... Terrible and threatening characters you're likely to see on television. Oh, there's a message there, isn't it? <laughs> Imagine bad Superman. 
Okay. We don't but not to... in like a funny way, in no, an actually in disturbing way. way. Not, not like a bizarro Superman, but a Superman who is um, like the like it's like the Brightburn kid grown up. Yeah, right. Um, with with this veneer, like a psychopath. Yeah. With powers. Yeah, with powers. Veneer of civilization. Mm. And one moment he's waving and smiling to the crowds and kissing babies and the next. And the actor is able to go from one to the other on a dime. Oh, I feel like I want to watch this. You see it in his eyes. He just switches off. Ooh. He's very, very strange. Okay. Um, also think Red Sun in um, in the uh, the comic books where uh, Superman was raised in the Soviet Union instead of Kansas. Gosh, I just love that comics can do this stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. It is a terrifying portrayal. Okay. Erin uh, Moriarty plays... Um, Starlight. Starlight. Tell me about her. Um, she's, a, she's an amalgam of a number of different heroes, but she's got... Uh, She's got light, yes. electricity into light powers. Okay. She's a newbie. Yep. Um, she was in uh, Captain Fantastica. She was in Captain Fantastic, the uh, the movie. Um, she's uh, in, She was in Jessica Jones, oh. where she played a college student. Um, <laughs> so this is a big break, really. Yeah, she's like, we could, we, we actually actually kept calling her the cheerleader. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the she's show. that sort of yeah. role. Yeah, and, and terrible, innocent. terrible things happened to her oh, in the show. Oh, God. This show sounds terrible. Uh, Dominique McElligott plays Queen Mab. Um, she's like Wonder Woman okay. in this. And again... She does look very elegant and composed in yeah, the image that I'm looking at right but now. But behind that is a oh, horror. Are they all just awful people inside? No, she's not actually. But um, she's, she's maybe become embittered cold. and cynical. Yeah, right. Well, I kind of like that idea, actually. We're running out of time for it, so I might let you watch a few more episodes. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm very intrigued. It is actually, it's on Amazon Prime. Mm. Oh, and you will see uh, Karen Fukuhara there playing Kimiko. Uh, the female. She was, she was um, Katana in Suicide Squad. Oh. So in a much better much better situation. I'm very intrigued by this. Mm. I think I will take a look. At the moment when Simon Pegg, who's in this, meets Carl Urban and they say, hello, pleased to meet you. Mm. <laughs> Dr. McCoy and Mr. Scott. You know, Love it. Great moment. Uh, we'll, go on, we'll go on more about this later on. Yeah, maybe I'll watch a little and we can pick it up. I've watched the whole series. Oh. Loved it. It's been picked up for a second season. Okay. It is very gory. Yep. Uh, and very, very adult and weird and strange. and Okay. Kind of, is there any legs being broken back to front? Because that's like my – or eye gouging. Those are the two things that I can't do violence-wise. I'd have to I'd have to check my um, – Well, if nothing's standing out – Sheet, sheet. Then I think we're okay. There's at least one leg broken. That's fine. As long as you don't see the knee go inside out, like the knee go the opposite way. <laughs> Megan's, Megan's – This is my – This is your line? Yeah. You draw that. When it comes to like violence, anyway. Yeah. Uh, and so cool. to go out with, we'll go with Scary Monsters and Super Creeps, David Bowie. Um, got that there? Nope. We haven't got that. We've got, we got Heroes. <laughs> yes, we've got Heroes. Heroes, okay. Yeah, we've got this that. This is the cast of uh, Lazarus, the original New York, New York cast, um, David Bowie, you know, so – that's our Bowie track for today. Love Thank it. you, Megan. Thank you, Rob. Joe Brunatic coming up next with Astral Glamour. G'day, this is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast at Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.